Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. Hello all you happy potters. So in this episode today, we're going back to November 2020, where we met Australian BDR Jake McCaw, who was working at SurveyMonkey at the time of this recording. There's a lot of laughs in this episode, but Jake is a data-driven individual. So expect a lot of stats and numbers, A-B testing and sequences versus automated messaging, screen recording versus emails. But also we're going to learn about how he overcame his fear of cold calling with sound advice from his manager, but also why he doesn't think cold calling works in APAC based on the numbers. So with that in mind, let's begin. So guys, welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call podcast. Today, we have a BDR from Down Under. We have a gentleman by the name of Jake McGaw. And Jake caught my eye on LinkedIn with a great post which went along the lines of reverse engineering. And Jake, again, by all means, if you want to explain on that a little later on in the show, please do, because I think it's a great piece of advice. But I reached out to him. uh, I said, hey, I'd love to get you on to the show. Uh, and here we are today. So, Jake, how, uh, welcome to the show. And how are you doing today, sir? Well, there we are. A little bit of reverse engineering got me on here, but otherwise, quite good. Um, I mean, it's what almost nine o'clock over here, so we're going a bit towards my bedtime. But aside from that, I've smashed some coffees already. So, so quite keen to have a chat and you know just shoot it, see what happens. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you for joining. And again, yes. So we're we're second week in November, twenty twenty. I'm here in the UK, Jake's out in Australia, and I love the fact that we can connect globally with BDRs and SDRs, so thank you for joining, especially towards your bedtime. I know we said earlier on the show that money never sleeps, so here it is. But uh, Jake, for the listeners that uh, can hear you but can't see you, please tell us a little bit about yourself, like who are you currently, where are you in the world, and kind of what you're doing as a BDR? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Jake McGowan, I'm from from Sydney, Australia. Um, I'm living right in beautiful Bondi, so spending a lot of time down the beach, I like to say that I'm the only white guy in Bondi that doesn't actually surf. Um, but, <laughs> you know, at, <laughs> it's, it's quite a good one when people approach and like, do you surf? You're like, no. Anyway, um, no, so I'm currently working for, for SurveyMonkey as an uh, enterprise business development representative, have, have done so for the past, ooh, would be coming up to about a year and a quarter, maybe, uh, yeah, it'd be about a year and a quarter. So so it's been a been a good time, but... Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at now as a as a high level overview, right? Perfect. Thank you so much. And just for the listeners out there, like, what does SurveyMonkey do, and what do you do for SurveyMonkey, Jake? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think most people think of SurveyMonkey as that that survey tool that they use during university or high school. Maybe you're sitting in the office somewhere and sends you a survey straight to your inbox, which is like, "Hey, what snack should we get for the fridge?" Or like, "Are you enjoying?" <laughs> Are you enjoying how things are going at home whilst everyone's in either lockdown or work from home or whatnot? Um, but in all seriousness, SurveyMonkey is an enterprise um, 
software, CX software, so in the customer experience space. So it's um, collecting people's data and then being able, like helping uh, decision makers take action on, on said data. Um, and what I do essentially is I'm working across two enterprise products in the business. So working for SurveyMonkey Enterprise, which is their core platform, um, and then the new Get Feedback suite, um, which was a combination, or sorry, Get Feedback platform, actually. I've got the water bottle mm. with suite. It's actually Get Feedback <laughs> platform, but um, which was a combination of Usabilla, which is the company which I started working with, which got acquired by SurveyMonkey, and another yeah. tool they acquired called Get Feedback, which is a um, CX solution built for the Salesforce ecosystem um, and getting end-to-end feedback. So, you know, you're on, Neil, you're on a website, right? Um, you get a little pop-up on the side of the experience that says, hey, you know, how's your experience going so far? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of usability in, in a nutshell there, or getting feedback during during the digital experience. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we're definitely going to be getting into the journey of like how you got there shortly. Yeah. Um, and when when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, you're somebody who is engaged on LinkedIn. You share a lot of content and in like useful insights that BDR sales professionals can use. And I was reading like you have your own blog and website and stuff that you're working on in the background. Uh, and I was like, you know your stuff you're passionate about, and that's kind of what drew me to like want to learn more about yourself. And when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, you've got a, a colorful journey before you went into SurveyMonkey. Uh, I saw you out in Australia. You've been doing some cocktail bartending. You've been working for a company called Unbound, working with as a marketing piece as well. You've been doing recruitment. You've been an investor at a sports company. Uh, you then went to use a biller and then ended up at SurveyMonkey. So, Jake, I'd for the listeners out there, I've heard your story, but please tell us, like, from the beginning, like, how did you get to where you are today, sir? Ooh, let's let's go far back. Um, a journey of me. So, look, I, I guess I grew up in a, a small town with a big reputation. It's called Jindabyne here in Australia. Um, Neil didn't know this, so I don't expect everyone to know, but... Um, for those of you listening, if you know Perisher and Threadbow, it's the small town off the side of that. Um, so it's a population of about 5,000 people during summer and then goes up to around 60 or 70,000 during winter. So gets pretty massive and have been working in service-based roles for since I was about 14 years old. Um, so I was, man, I was scrubbing boots at 14 years old and ski hire and doing that <laughs> side of things. Um, so just helping out on that front, doing the customer service angle, little bit of the way through high school, started out um, cleaning dishes as, you know, as we all end up doing some of those lovely tasks. Um, but, yeah, it was was doing that for a fair while. Um, and then when I graduated high school, um, had a had an all right ATAR, which is the equivalent of your GCSEs, um, and went, okay, cool, what do I want to do with my life? Um, mm. And I didn't have a clue, so I took a year off and I started working in kitchens, um, same place as I was washing dishes, working in commercial kitchens, doing probably like 50-hour weeks, spending a lot of time at, uh, at the pub I worked at. Uh, <laughs> and then after after a year of doing that, I kind of realized, I went, look, um, either I could stay on this journey and I'd actually have the qualifications to become a second-year second apprentice chef if I wanted to, or I could go out and go to uni. And, and my mum was like, I think you should really go to uni. And I was like, okay, yeah, I may as well be the first one in the family to actually go and do that. So... Um, took myself all the way to Canberra um, to ANU, um, enrolled myself in a commerce degree doing marketing and, well, I mean, I ended up finishing with marketing and finance, but that is another story in itself. Um, <laughs> 
and pretty much landed there and had like I'd fend for myself, right? Um, so I ended up working in a cocktail bar, um, which funnily enough was the first and only place I've ever been fired from. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So definitely have that interesting story under my belt. Um, but yeah, ended up working cocktail bars part-time whilst I was full-time uni, um, moved on, ended up working in a restaurant cocktail bar or one of the best restaurants in Canberra. It's called Akiba, like great Asian fusion joint. Um, ended up working under some really excellent cocktail bartenders. They brought guys from Sydney down who were legends in the field, stuff like that. Um, so that was really cool. Ended up working full-time. So I was full-time uni, full-time work now um, behind bars which was cool. And then funnily enough, on a, on a turn of fate, the, um, the people I got fired from, I actually got rehired um, ah. eventually in the end. Um, so it was just, yeah, it was another situation in itself. But yeah, ended up working cocktail bars there, which was like premium, premium cocktail bars. So like they had a, a whiskey joint, a rum bar, a gin bar. I ended up helping manage one of them, um, which was kind of cool. Very interesting experience. So ended up working 50 hours a week behind the bar, 50 hours a week. Um, actually, I can't lie. That's a lie. 50-hour week of uni, we, no one does that. Um, <laughs> so if, so, if we yeah. take a pause there, so if, if I get it right, like um, you're working like in these customer service orientated roles, like you've done university, mum was saying, hey, I think this is something you should uh, pursue. You move on, you go to study. You said a very key piece there, like when you came out of uni and you're trying to think like, what should I do? And then you went traveling for a bit. This is something I'm seeing synonymous with a lot of young SDRs and BDRs. Um, and I was speaking to one guest and she said, it's because we're not really aware of the options of what we can do. And sometimes it's not clear when we come out of uni. Did you find the same thing or kind of where was your head at as to why you didn't really know what you wanted to do, dude? 100%. Um, so I 100% agree with whoever um, said that to you. So like I came out of high school, I was a you know, from a small town, no one in my family had ever gone to university. No one had, had known what to do from there. The general pathway, which was to go into a trade, which my my brother and my dad are um, both carpenters, or to actually, I, I don't know any of the other options really. They it, it was mm. just realistically that. Um, and I mean, anyone that you speak to, how many companies hire SDRs with zero experience anywhere? Mm. Um, I've never seen a company go like, hey you don't know anything, come in and start selling enterprise <laughs> level software. Let's do this. Um, there's, there's not many out there that do that. You mm. need to, you're told you need to go to uni, get a good job, um, enter that field. So I kind of took a bit of a segue on that. Um, yeah. and then did a few different things and ended up working that full time path during, but yeah, I didn't have a clue, man. I, yeah. I still didn't have a clue until I actually got here into Sydney. Uh, that, that, I, I, it resonates with me. I, I, well, I got kicked out of like college. I never went to university, um, but I still always had that thing of I don't know what I want to do. And I think it would be really cool for a lot of, um, I don't know, with SaaS. And I think being an SDR is a great entry level for your career and for a, for a first job. Mm. And I think it would be nice if like you always see like recruitment drives from tech companies. I think it'd be great if they approached more universities and like open days to say, look, this is a potential career because it'd be a great step for people to get into. Um, but as you said, moving on, then you went into this life of like cocktail bars, you're studying, you're doing like what, 50 hours a week. Like how was you managing being able to study, do like a late night job and or like live your life at the same time? How, how was you balancing that dude? 
I didn't have a life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So, so like working in bars, like most of your job's social anyway. Um, it's all people facing. That's that. That was my social life. The people I worked with were my friends. Um, the people who I hung out with were mostly in hospitality as well and worked similar hours to me. The people I ate with, drank with. Yeah, it was it was basically just all hospitality people. So that was my social life. And then I had my academic life on the side of that too, which I was adamantly trying to keep up with. But then I did the real stupid thing of deciding to take an internship at the same time too. Um, so, yeah, I was, working in, I was working in bars. Um, <laughs> I, I don't recommend doing this but kind of do at the same time. It's a weird thing. Um, so I was working in um, – working in one of the bars one of the owners of the bars actually owned a it was a digital marketing agency at the time um it's now called unbound they ended up pivoting from a marketing agency into a vr ar agency so it was kind of my first foray into technology and it was really cool to see so they they end up um they sell to like the nba the vr ar headsets so people can imagine that they're actually on the sidelines watching an nba match when they're on hot at home so they just have their goggles on it's um yeah it was it was really cool um but yeah that that didn't end up um eventuating into into a job anywhere um so i got kind of sick of my bartending life and and moved on and outwards into the world and tried to find a a corporate job mm. and with the, the corporate job what kind of at that point what was you what was a corporate job to you what did corporate mean to you jake so love marketing at the time um and corporate was was more like going in getting a you know you can't really see this in the air for anyone listening but the, finger the, the commas, yeah finger quoting yeah. a real job um <laughs> so so going and getting a, a real job um and then working in an office you know nine to five kind of thing although my hours were a little bit different because of, of uni and stuff like that but but really wanted to get that experience alongside because i realized that if i left uni and all i had to my name was hey i'm a cocktail bartender who's helped manage a few bars um and yeah. i've also got an, an all right transcript but i'm not hds all the way let's let's be honest here um mm. it, it wouldn't really get me in the door into into what i wanted to do so i thought hey you know show perseverance um show that i can work my ass off and really achieve something so i'll work this full time this corporate job um and then on the on the same route um finish off my university degree and then kind of figure out at the end of that uni degree if that's what i wanted or if i wanted something else mm. so you're building yourself a couple of options right correct I, i've always always got to have heaps of options right especially when you're <laughs> yeah. outbounding right got to have that yeah. pipeline pipeline yeah <laughs> no lifeline if there's no pipeline right Oh, that's a good one. I'll use that more. <laughs> so you're you're looking at the world of corporate. You're studying, trying to see kind of like what options you're going to have. Like what happened at the at the end of that journey? Like what? Where did it take you to next, then, Jake? So I mean, the brief summary was loved marketing, hated the role. Um, so it was it was fun in itself. Um, my boss, she, she was a hard ass, but like she got it done. Like she knew how to get things done. They're still friends. Um, she's, she was really great. She actually gave me, and like, this is probably one of the stories going forward for cold calling and stuff. It's actually where I did my first cold calls. Um, Ooh, please tell, please tell. Yeah. Gave me a list of a hundred names. I had 50 names to do over two days. 
And I was like, right, I got this. Let's let's do this. And classic person who has never done a cold call really in their life. And I'm used to like forward-facing interaction. So like seeing people and talking to people. I was scared of the phones. Like mm. honestly, I was legitimately so bloody scared of the phone that I didn't want to pick it up and I avoided the task for two days. And my manager eventually was like, have you, have you done any of this? I'm like, no, 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 I've been too busy. And she's like, no, you haven't. You're putting it off. I'm like, well, how about you show me how it's done? She's like, fine. So she grabbed the first name, called them up, had a 15-minute conversation and goes, yeah, you do it. And I was like, I, I think I had a bit of a breakdown. I was like, I can't do this. I really can't. Mm. Um, so she, she ended up pulling me into a back room. Um, and if Fiona ever listens to this, she's probably going to love hearing this again. Um, <laughs> but she pulled me into a back room and probably gave me one of the best pieces of advice, like going into, into anything sales or selling. She's like, Jake, when you call these people, they're not going to give a shit about who you are. They're, they're not going to, they're not going to care about who you are. In fact, they're going to forget the conversation in about five minutes after they put down that phone. Maybe if you screw it up that bad, they'll get a laugh. They'll, you know, remember at dinner time and tell someone. But the next day, <laughs> they're not going to remember it, right? So just yeah. call them. Just just call them. And I had a script. I had everything. I ended up making one call and then one call turned into five and then, you know, ended up powering through that list eventually over the next. It, it Definitely, I got callbacks. Um, but, yeah, 100 people over the next, I think it was three or four days. So, Anyway, that's that's a little bit of advice that, that I got from that front. And sorry, I got lost on my tangent. Where where were we? <laughs> no, 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 definitely. So I, th- I think that's a key piece. So obviously, um, you're learning to kind of cold call. She's she's giving you this advice. But the key bit that I heard here, I think that we all feel as SDRs, it's that fear of picking up the phone. Because mm-hmm. like you said, you are more used to a customer-facing environment where you can see expressions, you can see if somebody likes the way you're saying something or doing something but now you don't get that interaction what is it what was the fear of what was kind of in jake's mind what was worst case scenario that could happen by making that call before you had that pep talk that's a that's a very good question actually um what was i thinking at that time people would hate me people hate being called up and in fact these weren't even cold calls they were pretty damn warm because they were people that the business knew um and they Mm. were looking for reviews too so it wasn't even like a you know, hey, you don't know me, you don't know our company, we're trying to sell you something. It was, it was more of a case of, hey, you know you know our company, I'm just trying to get some information from you. Um, so I, w- I was thinking like, hey, like these people aren't are going to hate me. They're, they're going to tell me to piss off pretty much. They're, they're, yeah. I'm ruining part of their day um, when in actual fact it was kind of just part of everyone's job, right? Yeah, you're and right. Did- and I think you – sorry, oh. go ahead. I was going to say they ever did it or they said, uh, no, nah, I don't really have the time. And I was like, oh, when? Oh, I don't really feel like doing this. Oh, okay, cool. Well, thanks for your time. So, yeah, bye. Definitely. And I think I think you did a really uh, important bit. And I think if there are any SDR or BDR managers listening, you kind of said like, no, you do it and show me how to do it. And I think that's the best way for SDRs and BDRs to learn where you have a leader that isn't fearful of getting into the trenches. And I actually faced this earlier this year where – I was training a bunch of SDRs on how to do cold calling and I gave them a framework and they were like, well, Neil, does this actually even work? Like, dude, come on, you're a trainer, you're, you've been in this game for a while, you're a bit old school. Mm. I did get slightly offended and I said, all right, cool, I will call them and I will do this in front of you. And we took turns. So, Jake, you'd be my BDR SDR. I said, okay, I'm going to do the first call, you do the next one. And then we'd go around in like a round robin and we'd give each other feedback how to do it. And I actually felt excited being a SDR again. 
you know, but it did make me realize the pressures, the stresses, and it brought all those SDR memories back of like, yeah, this is actually a bit daunting. But I think she did that beautiful thing of telling you, do you know what? You're interrupting the day for a couple of seconds. <laughs> I love that thing of if it really you really screw it up, they may laugh about it at dinner time. Hey, this guy Jake called me and dude, he was so green and like, you know, he said this and that and the other. But yeah, that's the worst case scenario, right? You're either going to get a no or just a phone down, but they're not going to like hate you or stalk yeah. you or like make you lose your job, right? Um, and that, I think that was a powerful lesson. So how is it for cold calling for you now, like in this day and age? So that's actually quite funny. And that's a point that I was going to get onto. I actually don't cold call. Um, it's not effective in the role that I'm doing. And I, I can definitely get onto that later or we can, if you want to delve into this little battle right now, we can definitely do it. What do you want, what do you want to do here, Neil? Definitely want to get into it, but I'd, I'd say let's get through your journey quickly and then get to this point because that, I, I re- that is an interesting piece where you're saying it's not as effective in what you're doing. So I, I do want to get into that. But yeah. So you've had the pep talk, then what happened after pep talk in terms of getting to SurveyMonkey? Uh, pep talk. So after after that, um, I kind of got to the end of my, um, well, I graduated. Um, so I finally graduated, threw the hat up in the air, had some champagne, everything like that. Um, <laughs> and then ended up, I was stuck between two choices. I was like, I don't know if I want to go to Sydney or I want to go to Melbourne. Um, so I basically just flipped a coin on it, applied for a few jobs um, ended up chatting with a, it, it was another recruitment agency because I was already working in one, but they were an executive search firm, which was catered for um, series A, series B, and kind of, you know, your 50, 250 person um, technology company who were looking to hire senior leaders in there. I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. This is going to be really cool. Um, mm. So ended up packing my stuff, getting my ass to Sydney um, and and starting there and just, like, I, I don't even know how to describe it, right? So, you know, you're sitting there one day, you may be, you know, chatting with a few, um, you know, growth marketers or heads of growth who have, you know, exceptionally scaled revenue on the marketing side, VPs and marketing, et cetera, which is just like phenomenal, their, their growth journey and what they've done and where they've been and how they took a company from, you know, 50 employees up to 500 employees. And then they're looking to do that over again which is really cool or you're sitting across from aes or sales leaders from some of the some of the you know best tech companies uh, globally who are absolutely crushing their numbers and doing some really really cool things and i think i got halfway through through that and went hang on a minute at the moment i'm finding really cool people doing really cool things and putting them into even cooler places i'm like I don't want to be the guy that's finding cool people doing cool things, putting them in cool places. I want to be the guy that's doing cool things and getting put into cool places. So <laughs> you want to be the guy, right? Yeah. I, I, I just wanted to be the guy. I, I didn't want to yeah. be like, there is like, there is a lot to the role in recruitment. This isn't to tarnish the, the industry in any way, shape or form. I've met some brilliant recruiters um, in my time and some mentors through it. Um, but I just didn't want to be that guy. So mm-hmm. eventually I was one of those guys who actually went, I want to do a career in South sales. I like technology. Um, I actually want to do this. Most people just fall into it, but hey, I fell into recruitment and then mm. I came into South sales. So how, how that kind of transpired um, to answer your, your question there is that during my time there, I met uh, my ex-country manager here, Walter. Um, he's an eccentric Dutchman, um, but they had a small team here for usability here in here in Sydney, and I met them at the exact same. It's called The Hub, but it's similar to a WeWork um, scenario. Okay. Met them there. 
um, had had a few drinks with them, had seen them around a bit. Um, and then I think it was about six months later, um, they were looking for a BDR and I kind of just approached him and said, Hey, hey Valter, um, I'm kind of keen. He goes, okay, <laughs> sweet us. So he messaged my old boss who I'd worked with as well, um, who had moved onwards, um, also you know, knew Valter a bit better than I did and kind of said, hey, you know, is this guy good? And he, he vouched for me. Um, so thanks, Matt Parker, for that one. Um, and he's put me in touch with the team there. I already kind of knew half the team. I met the other half there and it all kind of fell into place. Um, started at Usabilla, which was in the motions of being acquired by SurveyMonkey at the time. Um, and, yeah, then ended up going full on board with SurveyMonkey. It was probably about the start of – I would have started in September um, of mm. 2019, but it was probably about March, April when we actually got fully integrated into the system. Before that, it was honestly like working for a 300-person startup because, yeah, it – the um the process just takes so long so that's kind of how i got into survey monkey anyway i love it that is such a cool journey i think like you say like you you fell into recruitment you were helping find top talent for these sas and tech companies you were privy to like some great sales leaders vps of marketing learning about scaling companies and you're kind of seeing the conveyor belt go past with candidates joining you like i want to get on that conveyor belt i want a piece of the action um, you were able to get into usability, you had that referral to get in, and now you're at SurveyMonkey, which is a great tech company. And dude, I'm impressed, man. That's 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 a pretty cool story. Um, as I say, cool story, bro. It truly is. Um, but so obviously the, the two key points that I'd love to discuss now is, so point number one is that cold calling piece. Uh, I'm really intrigued and I'm always open to learning and hearing other people's opinions because I can always take something from that and hopefully the listeners can as well. Mm. And also I'd love you to discuss this topic of reverse engineering in your own words. Mr. Jake, let Ooh. us know what you think. All right, let's 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 start with the, the big topic first. Most, you know, most of the time I'll tell someone else, they're like, oh, how many, how many dials are you making, man? You're doing 50 a day. I'm like, no. I'm like, what? Everyone's got to do their 50 dials a day. Everyone's got a cold call. And you know, I, I still pick up a phone. Um, we still pick up a phone. We still call people. We're not going in and outbound in our sequencing and just pick up a phone straight away or doing what the Agogi sequence is, which is a fifth, what 15 step sequence with about four different call steps. No, five, I think five different call steps in between where you're literally just picking up the phone every second day and being like, Hey, you know me? Hey, you know me? Hey, you know me? No, it, it quite simply, it doesn't work in, in APAC for, a few reasons. Um, one is that I'm working across Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, India, um, and Hong Kong. It's bloody well hard to get phone numbers in all of those countries, especially with the tech that we have here. So it, it just ends up being inefficient. Um, number two, mm. Australians hate cold calls. <laughs> they really do hate cold calls. And i like to, to give you an example. I did actually start cold calling when, when we were here. Um, when I when I first started, because our manager was like, "Hey man, you need to start doing your hours of power and stuff like that." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do this." I was actually sitting there dialing, and uh, I would do it every region. But when you're trying to reach Singapore, you know, you've got a two or three hour time difference some days, so you can only do it at a certain time of the day. Um, then I'm a big fan of, of the old call leader. I don't think anyone realistically is, um, but I was doing that doing that motion, and we have outreach, which. I think a lot of people are using these days. Really cool tool. I would highly recommend it. Um, it's 
hugely beneficial. I love it. Anyway, um, so having that, and I looked through the actual stats of it and realized that about 2%, 2 to 3% of uh, calls actually get picked up, right? So on any given day, if you dialed 100 numbers, you'd get three people that would actually pick up the phone. And that's also including um, your gatekeepers, which let's be honest, who gets past the gatekeeper unless it's really urgent. Like they're, like there's <laughs> hundreds of people who are like, yeah, you can easily get past gatekeeper. You, you just can't. They just won't do it. Yeah, um, yeah cool. So you need to do what? 0.5. Sorry, it's it's like 0.5%. So doing 100 calls, you get 0.5 of a meeting and it's not even qualified, right? And when I look on the stats on outreach, at the time, my email and LinkedIn response rate for my particular sequence was actually sitting at about 20, 20 or 21% of people actually getting back to me who I'd been emailing or going through a multi-touch sequence there. So it's like, hang on a minute. If I take a little bit more time to actually research people and instead of just picking up a phone and just seeing if I happen to get them at the right time, I actually get a better conversion on that. And then in the future, that actually compounds and grows eventually. Um, so I've ended up getting, for, for some of my sequencing, I get around 35% of responses. Yeah, it's I can I can maybe share it with you at the end. It, it, it works <laughs> in the end. But it's, it's yeah. just from being hyper-personalized. And most people that pick up a phone, it's always always a similar thing. Hey, this is X calling from X, you know. How are you? Or if you want to take someone down the sand, the pain funnel or anything like that. Hey, I've been working with people in your industry who are experiencing XYZ pains. It's, it's always going to be a, a very similar call and you're just hoping that they're actually feeling that. But you're not able to actually get across what your product does in an email mm. and on LinkedIn. You can send videos. So like I use Loom, for instance, to record or screen record some of the features and functionality. So I can be like, hey, I can show you. Here you go. Here's like a little piece of what we do. And also telling a story. Um, so that's that's a big one. But I feel like if you can go online to, to like wrap this all up, I can Google you. I can find out your past. I can find out a lot of stuff about you by going online, similar to your prospects. You can use that to hyper-target and personalize your message. And most people are going to dig that much more than they would a call at a random hour of the day when they're probably segmenting their time. I'm fully on board, dude, and I agree. There are different, definite pieces there. Like, um, it's interesting to know, like in APAC, like you said, they're not a fan of cold calling. I don't think anybody in the world is a fan of being cold called. I am only to an extent because when a salesperson rings me on my cell phone and I get it and I hear them pitching, I'm like, do you know what? I want to listen to this. I want to hear what they have to say because there could be something I could learn. Mm -hmm. But if they go into like, I'm really sorry to bother you hashtag sorry not sorry nobody's really sorry for bothering me right so don't don't bs me on that mm. um but if you come in with something of value where you've done a bit of research and you're like okay you see you're the md for happy selling i see that you've been around for a couple of years i saw a post and something then it shows that you give an s about me uh, and you've done your research as well mm. and similarly when i was an sdr slash bdr uh, my call numbers were low. I still did calls because I love to speak to people and try and connect, but I'd always warm up those leads. No call that I ever did was cold. You'd have had either a LinkedIn request from me, you would have had an email from me, you may have seen me like one of your tweets, uh, I would have mentioned you on a post or something. So by the time that I give you a call, you already know who I am. Um, and obviously analyzing numbers to figure out what's the best time of call, well, sorry, what's the best time to call and what is more effective. Is it your LinkedIn touch? Is it your email? 
and then creating your own formula to think, okay, what's uh, going to work for you? And I always say to SDRs and BDRs, you don't have to be doing cold calling all the time. You don't have to be doing emails all the time. You have to like try these out to see what's your best thing that works for you. And everybody has their own unique thing. So I know I was really great at in-mails. I know some of my teams were great at calls. I know some people were better at social selling than I was. And I tried to take the best pieces. But I think it's always good to try out those different elements of being a BDR and getting comfortable with it. Kind yeah. of going back to your 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 manager's thing of like, they're not really going to care what you say on the phone, but try it out. Mm. But um, yeah, it's. I think when it comes to calling, that's the wrong place to sell. I think when I'm doing a cold call, it's to pick up a dialogue to see, hey, Jake, are you interested in on this topic that I'm talking about? I don't want to pitch a product yet. If we have a good conversation, it will then lead into a demo. Mm. And that's where the selling should take place. Everything outside of that is not selling. It's a conversation, right? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with all that. And I also think that the world is fundamentally moving to a text-based workplace. Anyway, it's all text. Or like it'll be on LinkedIn, it'll be through Slack, it'll be through email. If they need to jump on a call, it'll be on Zoom, but it's not going to be on your time as a seller. Mm. It's it's like it is never going to be on your time. You're not going to like their days are going to be so segmented into what they're looking to do that when they take a break, the last thing they want to do is pick up a phone and be like, hey, I'll chat with you for 15 minutes, feign being nice or tell you to bugger off, hang up the phone yeah. and, and carry on with my day most people want to have the power of their own schedule so you give them that power and the power of decision and choice and most people will say yes or no um so i think that's a, a big one coming with or going into getting higher response rates and another funny point you touched on too was a b testing you're a big fan yeah yes yeah massive it's, me too i a b tested the hell out of everything um which is why i've like at, at, even at this time, right, I've set some of my sequences to not send any messages in the morning. I just send it in the afternoon. Um, mm. So it's it's always an interesting one because when you get a message from someone at eight oh one a.m., you're like, "That's automated. Come on, man!" <laughs> and as as soon as as soon as you get a you know an email or as soon as you connect with someone on LinkedIn and the doo pops up fifteen minutes later on the exact, you're like, "I know that you've been using using automated messaging." I know because <laughs> um, like, I've used it. I've done it. I've been there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I actually do. I, I crunched figures on LinkedIn automated messaging because we did it for a while. Um, it led to after 4,000 connection requests being sent, this is automated. It led to three productive meetings. Wow. <laughs> do you want to like doing the percentage on that one? Just when I stacked it down and I looked at all the conversations I had, it was actually wasting my time responding to people more than it was bringing in actual good business. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, cut that out. Um, but on the AB test side, on the time of day thing, I'm starting to think that the time of day doesn't really matter at all, to be perfectly honest. But we'll see yeah. in another month when the test is fully fully wiped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's good to hear that you're passionate about the data. And I always kind of like to say to SDRs, like, we, we're, we're scientists we're creating plays, we're using tech to find out, okay, what's the pattern, what's the algorithm? And I don't think there's one, you know, sequence or cadence that's going to win them all. Mm. Um, but trying to analyze, A, B, test and figure out and tweak and continuously improve. Like if I build out a sequence or a cadence for a team, I always say to them, give it a quarter, look at the results and make slight amendments and changes, but use the data. Don't just fire off hundreds of emails hoping that somebody's going to buy it. Be methodical and strategic on it, right? 
Um, because if you have this mindset, when you go into an A as an AE role, you have to be a strategic salesperson as well. Mm. So use numbers, use data. And I love to hear that you do it, which then brings me on to the last point that I'd love to kind of discuss with you kind of before we end the show, which is the, the, the notion of reverse engineering, the thing that you caught my eye out on that LinkedIn post. What does it mean to you, dude? And with compound interest, like, could you explain to the listeners? I like compound interest, big fan, um, also because it makes you money um, if you're in the financial markets. But overall, with with the whole reverse engineering piece, it's it's starting at the finish, um, if, if that makes sense to anyone out there. So you figure out what your finish line is or what you're looking to achieve, and then you scale backwards and figure out how many activities that's going to create for, or how many activities you need to do to be able to achieve said goal at the top. So I think it you know, for, for my particular post there, it was about 1.5 million in, in revenue. And it's like, okay, cool. How do I make 1.5 million in revenue? So you figure out, you know, what your average deal size is. You figure out how many prospects that would be to fill in that average deal size. Then you figure out how many time, like how many people you need to reach to actually get those meetings. And then you finally need to figure out or equate for your time and, and how you can actually do that. And by working from the finish line, you end up being able to, you know, systematically create a set of goals which you can easily strike off and achieve. Um, it doesn't look as big. You go, oh shit, one point five million dollars. How am I going to hit that? Like, who can do that? Who can bring in that revenue? Well, like, you, you look at the numbers and you look at your average deal size, and maybe yours will probably be bigger. Like, if if you're working in in larger enterprise companies where the deal size are much much bigger, you could be, you know, bringing mm-hmm. in three five. Don't know, um, but working backwards of all the actions that you need to take there to go has really, really helped. And funnily enough, where that came from was um, my last job um, in recruitment before before SurveyMonkey. Um, the the MD there at the time named Kevin, a um, bit of a mentor to me actually. He described to me he's like he was in recruitment and he's like, yeah, so. I needed to hit 100 points of activity a day, which included calls, messages, and emails um, because this was like ages back. There was no LinkedIn or anything like that. So he he was like, if I hit that amount, then I would hit this amount. And he told me about his reverse engineering to get to the number. And now he's you know, very successful at, at what he does. And he can now just sit there and business comes to him, which mm. just blew my mind. I was like, you're not outbounding. Like, you're not. He's like, I don't need to. I've done all that in the past. <laughs> I have the power. Up, it comes to daddy. Like it, it's yeah. it's just it's just going to end up end up coming back. So I I think to wrap up that section, if you are approaching people pers- like personalizing your stuff, um, if you know how long that's going to take you to do it, um, and then if you're able to reverse engineer your numbers back from that and add that personal component, it's going to be much better than throwing in 50,000 people from a database, which you're not sure how clean that data is, into a sequence, praying to the air, and then spending the next five weeks on the phone with people who don't really care whatsoever and you're just wasting your time. Mm. I love it, dude. I'm a, I'm a big fan of reverse engineering. It's something I learned as an SDR. Um, and the two points of the value that I see here is you're already thinking like an AE. Because when you um, transition from BDR to then closing roles in AE, the first thing that's going to come into your head is a quota. And mm. in the life of an AE, it's less it's less unforgiving than as a BDR if you miss your target or your number, right? Um, but then the way that I say it to SDRs and BDRs is, 
you look at your number for the year, you reverse engineer it as to what do you need to be doing per quarter, per month, and then work it, break it down into weeks and then on a daily activity. And then I forget about my target altogether. I'm like, as long as I'm consistent in those activities of a call, an email, a good conversation, a next step, and I'm consistent with it, I never have to worry about my number. Mm. Um, I've been doing it for, what, eight or nine years. And yeah, to your MD's point at that recruitment company, I haven't outbounded in two years since I've started Happy Selling. Business comes yeah. to me and I'm very grateful for it. And I I don't get too, um, what's the word, obnoxious about it or arrogant about it, but I'm grateful for the things coming back because it's all the dividends of stuff I've paid off by doing this work in the past. So well, yeah, it's, it's residual value, right? It, it just like, yeah. if you end up chatting with, let's say 20 people a day and you have, you know, even a 10% response rate, um, there's two people that are coming back to you and then maybe 50% of them go to a meeting and then the other goes, Oh, hang on a moment. Like this wouldn't be something for now. This would be something in six months. If you keep chatting to those 20 people a day in six Six months. I'm, I can't even do the quick math right here, but <laughs> you, you would have, you know, that number of people who weren't going to show up, who you could probably chat to in six months' time if they weren't trying to dodge you with that age old. How about in six months' time? <laughs> You're right, and it's weird because this actually happened in real life as of yesterday. Mm. So there's a SaaS uh, company there in the financial services. I spoke to them back in 2018, 16th of February. Uh, and the reason I know that is because I was looking at the email from the follow-up that we had in that conversation, and they were looking for an SDR trainer. This is before I had a website, before Happy Selling is what it is today. Uh, and I said, let's reconnect in three months because they they didn't need a trainer at that point. But I still sent a lot of content collateral to help them build out their SDR function. No word of a lie, this Monday back into the office after a week's vacation, I get an email from their global head of sales saying, hey, Neil, uh, we, you know, we've kind of built up a team now. We've got about 10 to 15 SDRs. We're looking to have training either by end of year or kick off, had a chat with them, and we're going to be kicking off in the next few weeks. And uh, they said, um, what do you know about our company? And I actually pulled up the notes on the screen share to say, this is what I saw happened last time I spoke to you. And my question to them was, What's changed? I went through the discovery process again, but I came off the back of the meeting and I was just like, it's that compound interest. It's the stuff, the seeds that I'm planting. I don't know when it's going to come into fruition, but it did. And that's the same way as SDRs and building pipeline. You need to be doing those things daily, having those conversations, and it will come back to you. And hopefully, dude, for yourself, the conversations you're having now are hopefully going to be the deals that you're going to be closing when you go into that closing role. Oh, they will. Trust me, they will. They will. We'll get that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so jake again it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and i know it's really late on your side in and out in oz um but before you go what would be your three key takeaways that you'd love to give back to a younger version of yourself who's just about to start this journey as an sdr or bdr mm, coming into an sdr bdr role um that's a good question again can you stop with the good questions please um <laughs> so this, this one's going to sound a bit insane because I just post content everywhere, but don't listen to every piece of advice you get. It, it sounds absolutely insane, but there is so many people that is giving so many pieces of advice. You should be calling, you should be emailing, you should be SMS. Maybe it should be this platform, it should be that platform. Learn to filter out. Learn to go like, that's not me. Like, I'm not going to be the guy that's smiling and dialing and doing 200 calls a day and or I'm not the guy that shows well at conferences, or I'm not the guy that can type up an email. Like figure out figure out where you fit and don't just follow what other people say because they say they're successful at it. Be successful at what you're successful at. Um, that would be a huge, huge one. 
Um, by all means, read. Like, by God, pick up a book. Um, <laughs> there is there is so much information out there, um, and you can learn a lot. And I'm not talking about just sales books, right? Um, I think one of the <laughs> this is you, you might like this one. Do you know who Mark Manson is? Do you know the name? Uh, the name rings about like the subtle art of not giving a f yeah is it that guy yeah yeah do you know he wrote a book before that i do know that he did write a book before but i haven't read that book you haven't read it okay cool it's actually no. really good it's called if anyone out there right he wrote a book called models and it's a book on dating um and i was actually reading this one when i was with with my ex-partner um and she's like why are you reading that i'm actually like it's insane it's like it's human psychology there and basically what it's teaching you is to just be honest forthcoming and go for what you want and then if if it isn't happening just give up and just walk away and just leave it like that's it i mean it is a dating book and you could say sales mm. is a lot like dating anyway because you're kind of courting each other um without going to bed <laughs> but um it's it, like realistically it's, it's books like that that you might get inspiration from um so like pick up a book read some philosophy um you know figure out what you like to do and just just read because I don't think you could find a smart person on the planet that doesn't read consistently. Go ahead and try it. You won't find it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's numero to do. Oh, God, I should do. do yeah. Dos. Oh, Dos. Do, two. Yeah. I've, just, I've, learned my, I've learned my mistake of not doing foreign languages. Um, <laughs> uh, number three would be we live in the world where we have the Library of Alexandria at our fingertips. You have Google, you have LinkedIn, you have Twitter, you have, by all means, a lot of data. I fortunately work for a company which has resources to afford me, you know, stuff like DataFox and Salesforce where it can all be held. Don't just call people and hope for the best. Don't just fling a bunch of emails. Do your research on someone. Um, actually figure out what they want, what they need. Is this going to be right for them? You're saving you time, you're saving them time, and you're helping yourself in the future. Um, if, if you're just picking up phones and smashing phones for the sake of hitting activity target, which is something I've, I've written about, I hate activity targets, um, for the pure perspective of, you know, you could be saying you're doing 100 calls a day, but you're sitting there on, on just, just refreshing it or just faking those dials. Um, so, like, don't just hit an activity number because it's there um if you are getting activity numbers question it um but by all means research the hell out of someone before you even bother approaching them save so much time and i'll leave it at that i love it dude so to summarize that is a case of there is a lot of information out there don't believe the hype don't read everything and take it you know literally like filter out what you think is relevant for you mm. um and also in terms of reading get your mental or your mind strength up by reading different books and yeah the subtle art of not giving an f models that's a really good one i think another one is how to win friends and influence people daniel uh, carnegie um i read a lot of things like books of uh, how to deal with difficult people um because it is, it is how there going? is an element <laughs> <laughs> with sales it is it's an art form it's a science it's psychology it's a whole breadth of different elements but it's human to human interaction so the smarter you can be on your mind as to how other people's brains tick that really helps um and yeah i love that alex alexandra library like there is so much content and resources out there like use that information to to kind of build up your strategies i love it and uh are there any shout outs that you'd like to give on the show before we end oh 
is there any shout outs? Um, I don't know if they'll even, even listen to this one, but should probably thank my team. Um, so I've got Harrison Chase, who's my manager over in the US. Great dude. Um, got Sam, um, got Josh, Angus and Eliza, you know who you are, don't need to throw in last names. Um, but they've been all the help. Um, and it's, you know, great being a part of the team here. So, you know, got to thank those guys and, um, I've got to thank my post too. Got me here. Sounds weird, yeah. but can you thank a post, Neil? I, you just did. Okay, well, <laughs> guys, for anyone listening, you can thank a post. So just do that. Hundred yeah. percent. So, guys, um, to to that point, like again, you you put out a lot of content, Jake. It draw us together. I'm really happy that we've met, and I'm really looking forward to maybe getting you back on the show in the future to see how things are panning out within the role. I wish you all the best success and luck. And guys, if you want to find him, he's Jake McGore on LinkedIn, posts a ton of useful information for BDRs and SDRs. I'd definitely give them a follow. And Jake, would you be comfortable if anybody had any BDR, SDR questions that they can contact you directly through LinkedIn? Would that be okay? Yeah, throw them at me. Um, if you if you disagree with anything I say, I actually would, would love to have a chat. If you agree with it, we'd love to hear it. If there's anything I can help with, well, I guess you know where to find me. It's, yeah, Jake McGuire on LinkedIn. I think you'll probably, you know, you'll, you'll find me somewhere on see my posting and be like, oh, not this guy again. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I post some stuff on, on my website quite intermittently. So that's just jakemagore.co. But, yeah, that's, that's probably it. My Twitter is terrible. <laughs> so what I'll make sure, guys, is in the show notes, I'll put links for your LinkedIn, your website, everything, and Twitter. Uh, I was following you as soon as I saw your post, so definitely keep active on that, dude. But Jake, again, pleasure to have you, my man. Wish you all the best success and, most importantly, happy selling. Happy selling. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.